Well, thank you again so much to all of those who've been a part of our worship service uh, in leadership and offering your gifts and your talents and skills for Bob Eaton, who was our liturgist this morning, for our faith ringers for that beautiful piece of music, for our praise team who offers our, our singing leadership, and for Gary Brubaker, who skillfully puts all of our music together. Thank you. And for those of you who have served as ushers or greeters or as liturgists um, in our in-person worship services, thank you. If you are looking for a way to serve um, in this way, you'd like to be recorded as a liturgist um, or you'd like to smile and greet people as they come in the church, we would love to have you. You can contact the church office for um, any of the opening any open availability that we have in the Sundays coming up. Again, thank you for the ways that you offer your gifts and your skills and your talents. Now, this morning we are continuing in our series on justice and mercy. What does the Lord require of you? It's one of the questions asked in Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? Well, what do those all mean? What is justice? What is mercy? And how do we stay grounded? So we've been asking these questions during this series to see what the Bible says, what our Christian tradition says, and how we live today. So this morning, what is mercy? Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, what is mercy? <clears throat> um, what do you think of first when you think of mercy? I have to admit that the first thing that I thought of very instantly when I thought of that word mercy is I thought of Uncle Jesse from Full House and his catchphrase, have mercy, which is really, I believe that he borrowed it from Elvis. Have mercy. Um, that was a great Elvis impression, wasn't it? stellar. Um, but uh, have mercy. That was a phrase that, the, that he said often. And it sort, of, um, it sort of meant, you know, be nice to me or go easy on me. Um, so there's one way to think about mercy. Um, I was talking with uh, somebody else and, and we were talking about mercy and they said, oh, I used to play a game with my siblings um, called mercy. And I was like, I've never heard this game before. Tell me about it. And they said, well, we used to hit each other's hands. Um, and then the first one to give up yelled mercy. Did, you, did any of you play this game? Because I know I didn't play it with my siblings, but maybe you did. Um, and so um, mercy was what you screamed when you gave up. And so you were asking for mercy. I guess that's an option too. And um, even in our uh, in the passage from Micah 6, 8, Sometimes Micah 6, 8 is translated to love kindness, and sometimes it's to love mercy. So, what is mercy? Well, in our Christian tradition, it's kind of um, none of those things and kind of all of those things, you know, similar to just how justice was. In this passage that we have from Luke this morning, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan, and it's one that's probably pretty well known by most people. And in the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, it's said that the neighbor is the one who does mercy. And in this case, it was the Samaritan. And the Samaritan showed 
care and kindness to one who was injured and needed help. And not just a little care and kindness, but sort of went above and beyond what was, what was needed or what was required or what was expected. Now, last week when we talked about justice, um, I told the story that has been uh, used to help illustrate what justice and mercy are. Um, it's been told and retold and told again, um, and using sometimes different analogies or different images, but the same concept. So um, there's a river, and there are people standing by the river, uh, and they see someone floating down the river asking for help and crying for help. And so they get the person out of the river, and no sooner do they do that, but then they see somebody else floating down the river, and then somebody else, and then somebody else, and then somebody else. And so someone gets the idea that we can't uh, all individually save these people, so let's build a net. So they build a net across the river to catch people as they're coming down the river. And so they catch them in the net and then they pull them out. And then someone says, oh no, we have so many people who are here who are injured and need help that we need to build a hospital to take care of people. And so they build a hospital to help rehabilitate and take care and, and clean and clear the wounds of people. And then somebody says, no, now we need a, a place for people to go after this to recover. And so they build housing and they build more, um, more sites for, for people to stay in and be cared for. And then someone says, oh, we don't have any food. So they start to plant gardens and they, they build restaurants and they build um, food pantries to be able to give people food. And then someone else says, oh my goodness, uh, pulling these people out of these nets is just back-breaking work. I just can't keep doing it. Um, and so they invent a pulley system to pull people from the river onto the shore, from the net onto the shore. And then a few years after that first person is pulled out of the river, someone says, hey, why are people in the river in the first place? And so they go up to the bridge and realize that there's a hole in the bridge. And so they fix the hole and then no more people fall in the river. So justice is that question, why are people in the river in the first place? And so then what is mercy? but really all of those other things that are happening. It's catching people in the net, it's getting them out of the river, it's getting them help and food and caring for their wounds and making sure that they have what they need. Who is my neighbor but the one who does mercy? And sometimes we have a setup. We have a setup about a lot of things in our culture, uh, but there's a setup of what's better, justice or mercy. Which is more important, justice or mercy? And that's not really a fair question because it's really not an either or or question. Really, we need both justice and mercy. At a church that I was once serving, we had a food pantry as a part of our ministry. And we served, um, I don't know, maybe 20 to 40 families a month. And some people thought that, um, that the people who were coming to the pantry weren't really in need. And um, so I invited some of them to volunteer at the food pantry to come and, and see what we do and see how our, our ministry worked in this mission outreach. 
And in conversation with some of the clients at the food pantry, just that day alone, um, we learned that out of, I think it was 20 people who were there that day, 15 of them were waiting for workman's comp claims. And so in just casual conversation, we learned that these folks were fighting with their employers after having been uh, injured on the job. And their employers, or sometimes their employer's insurance was, were disputing their claims and saying either that they weren't injured on the job or they had pre-existing conditions that um, meant that what happened wasn't really their employer's problem or their employer employer's fault or their employer's insurance. And so um, these individuals were just stuck. They couldn't physically work. They were struggling to apply for a disability because it was a pretty long and challenging process. Um, they were unable to have enough money to provide for their families. And it meant that the food that was provided from the food pantry was literally saving their lives. And so um, after we had those conversations, then some of the folks from the church, we started to talk about what we could do. And so we tried to find legal, uh, uh, legal avenues and legal um, assistance to get assistance to people. Um, putting people in touch with lawyers and, and how to, to navigate these systems. And then we would find ourselves running into the same dead ends or endless waiting. And so we did what we could and we got information and resources, but um, at the end of the day, it just felt like we failed to get justice. It just felt like this was either a losing battle or it felt hopeless. And for some of the people who were volunteering, they realized what this felt like. And so, you know, exhausted and, and frustrated, we decided um, to ask ourselves, what can we do? And so someone suggested, you know, I've been in this position before in my life. And what I really needed was a good home-cooked meal. And so someone suggested, well, what if we offer that meal at the church? Once a month, we'll offer a, a home-cooked meal to people to come and get a warm meal, a good home-cooked meal for them and their families. And then um, we talked about cost. How do we make this helpful for people and um, something that they would come to? And so we decided to make it uh, pay what you can. And our motto was, pay what you can so that your belly will be full, but your, your wallet won't. Now, through all of that, what we were able to provide as a church was mercy. We were able to provide uh, a homemade meal, a space for people to come to that was safe and loving, and food from the food pantry. Now, it didn't mean that we stopped working for justice. It didn't mean that we were off the hook to work for justice because we still wanted to help uh, get folks the assistance that they needed. And we continued to offer mercy and kindness. We tried our best to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now, the truth about justice and mercy is you can pit them against one another. And that's not fair. Now, if you think about the analogy with the river, 
as people are asking the question, why are people falling in the river? People are still falling in the river. And so how do you get them help? You can't just say, well, we're not gonna help until we fix the system. And the same with our food pantry. We couldn't say, well, we're not providing food anymore. We know you're hungry, but it's more important for us to do this. Well, both are necessary. Sometimes you have to feed someone's belly to make sure that they're healthy and safe while also working on fixing the holes in the system. It's not an either or, it's a both and. The story of the Good Samaritan, it is, it's a pretty familiar story. Not just if you've been in the church, but um, I mean, if you've been in the church, you've probably heard this a bajillion times. But even if you're not familiar with church stories or familiar with the stories of the Bible, this is a story that tends to be a part of our cultural identity. And truth be told, it is a story that you could preach yourself probably. It's a story sparked by a question and it's a story told by the way that Jesus usually answered questions. When he was asked something, it was, let me tell you a story. And usually at the end of the story, the person comes up with the answer. So the first question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus's answer is really smart. He says, what does the law say? To love God with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, great, go do that. And then the second question comes, okay, but who is my neighbor? And so Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story about a guy. This guy gets beaten and robbed and he's left for, for dead. And a Levite comes, who is one of the priestly tradition, and he walks past him. Not just walks past him, but avoids him. And then a priest um, walks completely on the other side of the road. And the Samaritan not only stops and takes care of this person, but also takes him to a hotel to be cared, cared for. Now, part of what's happening here is Samaritans and Jewish people at the time did not get along. And so it would have been very surprising to hear that a, Jew, that a Samaritan stopped to help a Jewish person. Now, at the, end of the at the end of this, Jesus says, which one do you think was the neighbor? Ugh, and the person who asked the question like has to say it through gritted teeth almost. He can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. It was the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. And part of me wonders if this, uh, if this person asked the question, answered, oh, the true neighbor of this, of this story, oh, that was the priest. If Jesus would have said, go and do likewise, or if he would have said, let me tell you the story again until you get it. Sort of feel like it would have been the second part. But, but that question of who is my neighbor, it's one that we still ask. Even in the question of what is mercy, show mercy to your neighbor. Yeah, but who is my neighbor? 
And I think sometimes the, the other way to ask this question is, who do I need to care about? Who should I show mercy? And I wonder if Jesus were telling this parable today, who would these people be? Who would the Samaritan be? Now, if you're politically minded, maybe it's your political adversary. Maybe it's a particular group of people. Maybe it's someone who believes something differently than you. Who's walking on the other side of the road? Who would we stop to help? How might we be surprised by the lesson that Jesus would teach us in this story? Who is our neighbor? Now, ultimately, as humans, we are a connected people. And we're reminded in other parts of scripture, when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us celebrates, we all celebrate. It doesn't matter how close we are geographically or politically or ideologically. We're connected to each other by the very nature of our humanity. And if you think about the question in that way, that we're all connected to each other, there is no one who isn't our neighbor. So how do you love your neighbor? How do you show mercy? Well, that question is actually given an answer earlier on as yourself. And again, from the story, above and beyond what is expected. Maybe it is providing food to families who are hungry in our community through donating to a food pantry or providing meals to the Freeport Area Church Co-op Shelter. Maybe it's making meals to be sent to parts of our world where there isn't as much food. Maybe it's offering space for people to learn. Think of the Samaritan and go and do likewise. Love, mercy. Because our humanity is wrapped up in each other. We belong to one another. We are people who are different. And isn't that great? And we don't have to pretend like those differences don't exist because we know that they do, but we don't have to let them define and divide us. We can have compassion for one another. We can embrace one another. Love, mercy. Don't underestimate one another. And that doesn't have to be a threat. Don't assume the worst of people. Don't underestimate the good that someone can do, how they impact the world, because we all have the capacity to make the world better, to care for one another better, to respect one another's dignities better, to honor our differences as not as something that can divide us, but as something that makes us better together. Love, mercy. And sometimes we're going to say and do things that hurt one another. 
And sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's not. But can we start by assuming the best intentions in one another? I mean, repeated offenses aside, when we have patterns of behavior, we don't have to excuse poor or inappropriate behavior or comments, but how do we love someone into better behavior? Sometimes it's by speaking the truth in love. You know, people who sometimes claim to be speaking the truth in love with like biting quips or sharp words. If you don't have love, you're like a clanging cymbal. Speak the truth in love, even if your voice shakes. Love, mercy. Now, sometimes you don't get the choice of who to be in relationship, but it doesn't make your choice to love any less. Any less. If we love God, how can we not love our neighbor, our neighbor who is created in the image of God, that means how we talk about each other matters. Our words matter because our words also reflect on how we treat one another. And our love leads to actions, how we care for one another, love, mercy, making sure that everyone is treated with dignity and respect, making sure everyone has access to what will make them flourish in life, not insisting on our own way, but what's best for someone else. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do justice. Love mercy. And walk humbly with our God. Amen.